Good evening once again and welcome to the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. We're already in the third week of the new year. And that means, of course, that we're coming up to the second anniversary of when that word COVID first hit our news bulletins. In that time, we've all watched and seen the virus change our lives, affect the lives of family and friends, even ended the lives of some of them. And still, we seem no nearer being rid of it than we ever were. Thank God, though, for the genius of doctors and scientists who've given us treatments and protective vaccinations from the worst of Covid's effects. After all that time of protecting ourselves, the mask wearing, the hand washing and the sanitation, our household has just this very week seen Covid enter it. Well, don't worry, I can't pass it on to you through the airwaves. At least that's one loony conspiracy theory I haven't seen shared so far. And as of right now, I feel fine. I know my life is very much in God's hands. And what a reassurance that is. Let's praise him then for all his goodness to us as we sing together song number 231. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. It has wonderful words in it, of course, like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. We're going to sing the first two verses with the congregation of a Royal Albert Hall festival, and then the third verse with a congregation from one of the Butlins Holiday Plus Fellowship Weeks. A little bit of a contrast there then. Praise him. to discover that we have a relatively small number of songs in our Salvation Army library that refer to us having our lives in God's hands. We used the song Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven just a week or so here, and that reminds us that in his hands he gently bears us. But we do have one song that is such a treasure, I'm sure all the other churches would love to have it. 
And that's Stanley Dittmer's wonderful song, simply titled, I'm in His Hands. This has been a favourite song now for over 60 years, and it has brought untold amounts of comfort and reassurance to generation after generation of Salvationists. And as we pray together this evening, I want us to share together that same reassurance as we sing song number 848. I particularly love the words of this second verse. What though I cannot know the way that lies before me, I can still trust and freely follow his commands. My faith is firm, since he it is who watches o'er me. Of this I'm confident, I'm in his hands. And in that confidence, let us sing together. to you this evening with songs in our heart and so many prayers in our minds. We're living in a world that is filled with such worries, so much unhappiness, so much confusion, so much hatred. It's a beautiful world that you have created, yet as man has turned away from you, things just seem to have got worse and worse. We thank you, Lord, that our lives are in your hands. Help us to listen so that we can always be aware of your plans for us and so that we can faithfully follow along the roads that you've set before us. But if we ever do turn from you, O Lord, we thank you that we always have a way back. Thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world and bridging that gap between you and us. For Jesus laid down his life like a sacrificial lamb and through his being raised again, he was able to defeat once and for all the powers of sin and evil. So that when we are washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, we can be saved and we can look forward to life everlasting with you. 
Bless us in this meeting, Lord, and open our hearts to let you in. May we live to be effective and fruitful witnesses for you in everything we do in our lives. Lift us when we fall. Forgive and restore us when we fail you. For you are a merciful, kind and just Lord. And we praise you forever for your love and goodness to us. Amen. Although the song that we sang before our prayer, I'm in his hands, has managed to maintain its popularity for a very long time now, we're also grateful for a more modern setting of the same song that has come into popular use over the last 20 years or so. And in fact, it's also in our new songbook right now. We're going to listen to that newer setting by Phil Lager, as sung by the Southampton Shirley Singing Company. I'm in his hands. message from the band this evening is a selection that I'm sure many of us have played. It's Norman Bearcroft's Songs of Testimony. Now that's quite appropriate for tonight as part of what I'm going to speak about later does rather take the form of a personal testimony. This selection uses three well-known songs. You Can Tell Out the Sweet Story, Oh What a Hiding Place and The Pathway of Duty. And you can find the words for these three songs in the songbook if you wish to sing along with the band. You'll find them as numbers 200, 864 and 441. 
This is Songs of Testimony, played for us by the Norwich Citadel Band. One of the very best songs that God has given the Salvation Army in more recent times is number 321. Great words by Commissioner Harry Reid once again and a catchy tune by Commissioner Dick Cromenhook. Oh, and be careful what you sing. These words might just come back and haunt you later in the meeting. I dare to be different. <laughs> Oh, 
Our Bible reading this evening is Selected Verses from Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Never let me be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. How abundant are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm I said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. What wonderful words of comfort we find in that psalm. And whenever, or if, we're ever unsure of what lies ahead for us, what reassurance we find in words like those. And in many of the other psalms too, of course, but none more so than this next one because our songster piece for this evening is a setting of Psalm 23. The King of Love My Shepherd Is. And it's sung here by the National Songsters in a beautiful Eric Ball setting of St Columba. The King of Love. <laughs>
wonder, are you one of those people who associate numbers with people and events? I know I do. Just as I typed out the title for this meeting a while ago and used the number 53, for this is indeed meeting number 53 that I've prepared for this series, my mind immediately took me back to 1977. I was a young senior bandsman in Tunstall Corps in Stoke-on-Trent and I played euphonium in a very good band and sat next to a splendid Christian gentleman called Cyril Lockett. We were in an open-air meeting somewhere in Tunstall and bandmaster Don Perry gave us the next tune number. Number 53 in Keep Singing. Do you remember those yellow books? Cyril turned to me as we opened our books to find it and he said to me, Is that morning as broken or is it just reminding me how old I am? I guessed from that moment that Cyril was 53. But whenever my dad and I watched a cricket match, he would often associate the score with a tune number. I remember once when England was struggling on 119 for five, he said to me, There's mercy still for thee. Maybe the scientist would say that this tells him something about the type of brain I've got. Yes, I know you all say a weird one, ha ha. Seriously though, I'm not sure many of us could hear the number 23 and not think of that wonderful psalm. We'd struggle to hear the number 101 and not think of Dalmatians. 2001 and not think about that film about the distant future. Oh, hang on, 2001 was 21 years ago now and that didn't happen. What about 42? Isn't that the answer to the question of life, the universe and everything? Well, for those of us who love Douglas Adams' series of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, that number does hold a very esteemed place. Some people even go as far as to say that our whole lives are governed by numbers, in the same way, I suppose, that others claim that they're influenced by the stars and planetary positions. Have you ever been tempted to look at those horoscopes in the daily newspapers? What a load of utter twaddle! I just googled one for today, and in six lines of pretentious nonsense, the only thing that could possibly have been of any use to or relevance to me at all were the words, look after yourself. Well, perhaps they'd like to tell me a day in which I shouldn't look after myself, just so I can get some perspective on that one. And yet I've known people who, upon reading a bad horoscope, wouldn't leave their houses all day. I have a friend who's a very much respected musician, one of my very favourite rock musicians, in fact, and he believes in astrology so intensely he swears by it. Well, his music is great. And as for the rest of him as a person, well, he's mad as a box of frogs anyway, so why shouldn't he spout nonsense about stars and planets? God! is the only one who holds our lives in his hands. As that beautiful song we shared earlier reminds us, God knows our lives and the paths we tread. And as we read in the Psalms, he will not allow a hair of our heads to be hurt if it's not in his will. So, can we trust him in the same way some people trust their horoscopes? Perhaps I've shared with some of you before the part of my testimony that would let you know that from around 2007 until 2013, my life was in a pretty rotten mess. I don't think I was a very nice person to anyone back then, except those who were very dear to me. I was a fiercely protective father to my sons, after I'd found myself at home with them at the ages of 13, 12 and 2. Yet I still attended the army, I still played in the band and sang with the songsters, but it just kept on getting worse and worse. And boy, how the devil came for me and attacked me when he saw I was weak. My weight ballooned, my depression got worse and worse, and eventually I even lost my Salvation Army service. The one thing that had kept me going, if you like and I was forced away from the corps that I'd attended for many years. 
at the very worst of my troubles and despair, one day I heard God say to me, Trust me. It was as clear as if I'd heard it through a loudspeaker. And he continued, Trust me, and I'll give you better than you've ever had. Now, when you've lost everything you ever held dear, that's a strange thing to hear. And it's something that's very hard to believe or take seriously. And so, for a while, I didn't. And things continued to go wrong. I couldn't settle and enjoy my service at the new core that God had led me to worship at. And although I continued to attend, I wasn't able to be happy in the band because of my own pride. I was so unreliable in my attendance that the songsters would rather sing to a backing track than rely on my unreliability. What else could go wrong? And so, in the end, in my desperation, I trusted. And of course, you all know how, within quite a short space of time, I'd met Sarah, a beautiful salvationist Christian lady who'd been tragically widowed in a car accident. We married, and now we have a wonderful little family of our own, and that old life has simply faded to a distant, rather nightmarish memory. One of the things that Sarah and I decided to do very early in our relationship was to pray and read our Bible together. It was something that just hadn't been a part of my life up until then. Oh yes, I read the Bible and I prayed, but it had always been either at the army or on my own. And although I'd heard the saying many times, the family that prays together stays together, I'd never really accepted it as being relevant to me. It just seemed to be a rather pleasant, twee little soundbite. Sarah already did her own nightly devotions, and I knew that if I was going to call her on the phone during our courtship, then I shouldn't ring at that time. And as we began to spend more time together, it was a real thrill when one day I was invited to share that special time with her. We did, and we still do, of course, today. Back then, we used to use a very simple and popular little book of readings. But I found that I wanted something with a little bit more meat on it. And so we started to use the Army's own Words of Life series. And now we've been on six years of adventures with that book, through the Old and New Testaments, with various different writers during that time. But we still found we wanted more. And so I turned to the extensive personal library of Salvation Army books that I inherited from my dad. And we decided to do one reading each per day. So Sarah reads from Words of Life and the Bible reading associated with that reading. And I began to work my way through two wonderful volumes assembled long ago by General Coots from the old Soldier's Armoury series of books. What a fresh and wonderful insight we've gained to the story of Jesus through the four Gospels. And now we're finding the same increased level of understanding and revelation as we work our way through the second book, the New Testament Epistles. Old books now, but still full of wonderful teaching. And again, from a salvationist perspective, which is important to me. Having said that, other Christian writers are also referenced in those books. Great names that I've discovered, like William Temple, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and someone whose quotes I always take great note of, although I'd never heard of him before. A.W. Tozer. I lost count of the number of quotes attributed to Tozer in the books that caught my attention, and they often had me nodding my head, or even saying out loud, Hallelujah! I've seen a lot of discussion on the internet recently from people who are worried about what the future might have in store. Not just for us as individuals, but even for the Salvation Army as an organisation. 
Yes, I'm sure we can all think of Cor, where once two hundred or more used to regularly meet for worship every Sunday, but now only a fraction of that number attend. Cor, where bands once numbering thirty or forty or even more have dwindled to under a dozen or even ceased to exist at all. And these changes do worry us. We used to say, for example, that the young people in the Corps were the army of tomorrow. Well, if that's the case now, not many of us might want to see what tomorrow holds. But that's not the point. We, as a Salvation Army, also need to trust him. God has shown us some of the ways forward so clearly over the past two years or so. Look at the exponential growth of online ministry, such as this series and Fortress Radio as a whole. It's an absolute miracle. God is working it right now in ways that we could never have imagined even three years ago. I have quite a few friends who left the Salvation Army in the 80s and 90s who now tune in again to the meetings at their old core every Sunday. 30 years away from any form of worship and suddenly they've been brought back into God's presence in a very real way. And yes, people are seeing their lives changed. You see, people can listen to these meetings and many others on Tuesday while they do the ironing, on Wednesdays as they walk the dog, Thursdays as they ride their bikes to work, Saturdays as they take part in the park run. And of course, God is changing lives, changing hearts and bringing wandering souls back to him. Isn't that fantastic? It's all the encouragement I ever need when I hear such stories. Praise the Lord! Let me go back once again then to my current reading of Words of Life. Oh, and that's a series that I thoroughly recommend to you, by the way. Just last Friday, the writer was talking about the work of the Holy Spirit amongst the disciples after Pentecost. Do you remember when the people in the streets thought them drunk on new wine? But they were not filled with alcohol, but with the Holy Spirit. Poured out freely for all men now, rather than reserved for the chosen few, such as Gideon, Samson or Isaiah. And at the end of that reading came a quote from, guess who? Yes, it was that man A.W. Tozer once again. Now, he went to glory in 1963, yet his wisdom is still reaching me and teaching and inspiring us all, all these years later. On this occasion, he was quoted as saying something that made me sit bolt upright and say, wow, because it was this. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. What a belly blow a statement like that is for all of us in the church. But if you think about it, he's right. We could still carry on feeding the hungry. We could still carry on brewing that famous army cup of tea. We could still carry on handing out blankets and sleeping bags. We could help to rehouse and settle the homeless. We could still chug a collecting box. We could still play Christmas carols or those few hymns that some people might still recognise. We can even meet together. Oh, appropriately social distance and mask if necessary. And we can share fellowship. But what on earth would we hope to achieve? if we tried to do all that without the Holy Spirit. What are we doing individually or as an army to help get those dwindled numbers up once again from 20 or 30 meeting on a Sunday morning back up to 100 or 200? Have we left the Holy Spirit behind a bit? It's a question I have to ask myself. 
We may often say that faith without works is dead. But just as equally, what use is it to God's kingdom if all our good works come without the gospel being offered to the recipient? What good is it if we don't offer them Jesus as well as that cuppa? Can we offer a blanket but not offer salvation as well? I say that any charity could do that, and many do. But we are different. We as a Salvation Army are called to be different. But dare we be different? Toza's quote continued to say that in the early church, the one where the disciples were so full of the Holy Spirit that people thought them drunk, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from them, 95% of all they did would have stopped straight away and everyone would have seen and felt the difference. Had that been the case, we wouldn't even be here as a church today. So which of these is our army? Which of these is me? Which of these is you? And what are we all going to say the next time God says to us, Trust me. Thou art the way, none other dare I follow. And you are now and always my comfort and strength.
That was the International Staff Band playing Brian Bowen's My Comfort and Strength. Our closing song this evening, well, after all that talk of trusting him, what else could it be than simply trusting? And we're going to join with the Melbourne Veterans Band tonight as we sing this great song of affirmation together. Simply Trusting. Tonight, Lord, we ask you to help us to trust you. To allow you to lead us where you want us to go and be the people you want us to be. Lead us all individually and, Lord, lead our army in the paths that you want us to tread. Trust God.
Jesus.